Podcast. is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Tahoka. <laughs> Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of welcoming in our robot masters as they make the world a better place by getting rid of us. And Wait. you can bite my middle butt. <laughs> All, the, all those Bender jokes. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. We, this week we are talking about Richard's uh, newest game uh, called Eradicator. That's human plus Eradicator. This is the uh, story of the robot, the beginning of the robot uprising that's to, to basically eliminate all human life on the planet. Well, at least all the human society, re- replacing humans as the dominant life form on the planet. So this came out, uh, you said uh, 2014, right, Trav? Yeah, it came out last year. Okay. It's available in a PDF format uh, directly from the TriTechGames.com website. And you can get it in the PDF or a signed print edition from Rich, uh, by Richard uh, from that site. Or downloadable, as always. So what we're going to do is that we're going to basically go over this, the core material here, because uh, we don't want to do it all. Otherwise, why would you buy the product, right? And hopefully we'll add um, some, uh, some value to it uh, by uh, our personal ruminations on the on the uh, product and and the uh, situation uh, as we look through the material ourselves that's right we're good at ruminating stuff it started in ann arbor michigan myers micro rays this is a uh supposed like like a little electronic startup company richard yes okay he was making essentially the next gen computer processor right Okay. Trav, do you know what heuristic means? Heuristic, I'm sorry, heuristic. A heuristic computer is a computer that thinks and evolves like a human brain would. It's not limited by its programming. It can learn and adapt to new situation and stimuli. Okay. And this was called the Omni uh, Functional Indeterminator Evaluator uh, Heuristic Chip. Yep, the acronym O-F-I-E-H, yeah. O-F-I-E. Okay. The point was that we have a a chip that is so multi-purpose, it can be put into anything. And it's apparently cheap enough to produce that 
uh, making a specialized chip doesn't make sense anymore. So you just take this one general purpose chip and you shove it into whatever product you want to have. You know, whether it's a toaster, whether it's a uh, clock, whether it's a car or a plane or uh, a vacuum cleaner or a chainsaw, cell phone, whatever. You know, everything gets one of these chips, apparently. Now, uh, it says the military bought hundreds of thousands. The private sector bought millions more. Well, I suspect they bought billions more from what uh, the way this thing goes. All those tickle me Elmos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was, is it, and this is kind of similar to what happens in Frisbee. I managed to get a reference in, guys. Um, Yay. You have a product that's basically innocuous until some terrible person hacks it and turns it evil and murderous. Noticing a pattern here. <laughs> so apparently there's a, a North Korean hacker, Pak Ponju. He reverse engineered, which I think is a pretty amazing thing considering how many how, how complicated that chip must be, you know. And then they figured out that they could put a virus in it by sending it through the cell towers of the world and then they could, could paralyze all the things that had been or cause malfunctions of all the things that had this chip in it. Right, Richard? Pretty close. Okay. Keep going. If you're not if, if I'm wrong, tell me, it's okay. Bruce, you're doing fine. So the implication here is that these things actually are little cell cell phones then. They actually communicate through the cell system. Just like my phone communicates through the Wi-Fi, you know, most of the time to my cell network, these things probably could communicate to each other through any Wi-Fi connection. Yep. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure that was use that was useful too, because once you have this sort of thing, it's like, wow, if you know, if, if all these things, because it just takes one smart person, or you know, so, or something that has like a billion nanoseconds to actually write a program. Uh, to uh, to figure out that hey if I'm sending it through the Wi-Fi network then we could then another a device on that Wi-Fi network could capture it and we could create we could multiplex these things together making them bigger and bigger and bigger uh, networking uh, so uh, but for some reason he decided to combine this with a um, uh, a, a a game uh, a first-person shooter game. Which had a, a lot of goal seeking and uh, AI capabilities, be, and I'm not quite sure why that was, other than maybe it was uh, tr trying to give it the the desire list. I, I don't know if I want to use the word desire at this, this point, but the, uh, uh, the 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 priority of trying to uh, find solutions to whatever problems it had about getting you know getting in, into each of these various devices. But apparently, uh, when they, they released it, nothing happened, uh, not for a year. But during that period of time, it did infect every single computer, every single one of these chips in the world. And then a year later, it says a timer deep in the code clicked on. So now I just want to, I want to ask you here, Richard. Okay. And that is that you say a timer deep in the code clicked on. Now, was this a timer that was programmed in by Pak Pong, or was this a timer that just happened to be part of the game code that he had anticipated was going to then trigger the program? 
It also could have been the creator of the program in case he had problems with the marketing on the chip, put in a shutoff. Oh. Well, this is a turn-on. Right, or a turn-off, so... Well, the reason I'm wondering this is that, you know, you made it... Because it wasn't successful, uh, poor Pak Pong got sent off to a gulag somewhere to make light bulbs for the rest of his life, which means he was probably in the safest possible place he could be. Uh, But... Or was this intentional? Did he know what he was doing? Did he know what was going to happen? Did he have some kind of Jones against his superiors that he wanted to destroy them all? And so he did this, but made it seem like his program didn't work. So he would get sent off to the gulag, so he'd be safe while the rest of the world went down in ruins. And he could laugh knowing what was going on, you know, far from his eyes, but still in the world. Any of those are possible for the game. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but was any of those your intent? Um, when version two comes out, we might find. Out. Oh, oh, a version two. Because uh-huh. <laughs> you know more scenarios. So I recently did a. Um, I recently read a book on uh, cyber attacks and and the like, what they are capable of and how they work and everything. It's it's all about cybersecurity. And uh, this sounds like he had a botnet built into it. Yeah, that's the best way to spread it out. You, you, could you could you summarize that quickly, Peter, for anybody who doesn't know what that is? It's just a little piece of code that sits and waits, and then something a, a chain like something will will trigger it. So, for example, like a Trojan horse or what? Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. But, um, and and they can be there's different different ways they can be configured, but. Um, it could have just a little piece of code on, on, on a chip, and at, say, noon on January 5th, 2015, uh, it sends out a ping. It's a, it opens up a port, sends out a ping, and says, give me instructions. So it, it can be really tiny. It can be like a very small piece of code uh, because it doesn't really do a whole lot. It just opens a port and sends a signal home, and then that gives a person access to it and then he can dump whatever code he wants and it could be completely automated. It could go to a home computer somewhere and then that computer could then send that out. Now, if you've got this on say a million computers, a million computers call home and a million computers get a signal. It'd be really funny if that hacker got a denial of service attack because a million pings hit his computer at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Damn it. I didn't yeah. think of that. Well, well, the thing about botnets is also that they they're great for um, organizing uh, denial of service attacks, like you said, Bruce. Right. I mean, they basically they just aim at one at one uh, address and just go, okay, send send mail, yeah, or send a whatever. Time, you know, ten thousand times a second or whatever. Right, once a second, ten thousand times. That's ten thousand times a second. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then you know, but I mean, this sounds like it could be something like that, like. It was programmed in this chip, and then everybody who, you know, made this thing and put it in their devices, well, at a certain time, they all sent a signal home, which sent a signal back. Well, I think the point was that this was the part point where the the uh, program, the the AI, essentially came live. You know, it, it it started off small. It wasn't too. It wasn't real smart to begin with, but it's uh it it, it just made everything better. You know, made all the programming that was there. It made it better. It's you know, it, computers ran faster. Um, 
you know, the help desk had fewer calls because things were being fixed before anybody had a problem, before they realized there was a problem. Right. Well, it almost sounds like it was running more in a, a, uh, an, AI, an AI in a distributed node system where basically it's a bunch of smaller AIs who net together into one larger AI, and therefore this larger AI can do things that the little AIs can't do. To Well, that, that's what happens later, John. In the beginning, it says that that's not the case. It says that what happens is that the only real AIs, true AIs, were the big mainframes uh, that they got together and they tr- they formed a true AI. Yeah, hmm. well, it's just awakening AI system. So if you use that word there, then it's a it's yeah it's ter- it's basically growing into a big distributed system. Uh, trouble is that the, the bots also have a lot of independence too, as we find out later. So yeah, it's. It's only when they decide, when Big Green, which is the MIT uh, supercomputer, decides that in order for to keep it to uh, keep itself from being taken out by some point, it, whenever it, the, 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 this thing gets discovered, it decides to start creating distributed networks like you're talking about, John. That's when things start getting a little bit interesting for the machines. Yeah, now the Big Green was built to monitor the ecology, climate change, and resource management from countless sources. So it's basically a Big Greeny. You know, it, it's definitely, it, it wants to save the planet. And, you know, as we all know, the best way to save the planet is get rid of the number one pest. Man. So, yeah. But it also meant it didn't use nuclear weapons because of that. To get rid of man. Yeah, to get rid of man. Besides, you know, it's easier to make them trip and fall in the bathtub and then electrocute them than it is to, you know, drop a nuclear. Actually, I, I disagree, John. I think it's a lot easier to drop a nuclear bomb than to make 10 million people trip and fall in the bathroom. And get That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, I take your point. The point was is that it didn't want it. it you know, the, the, the strange thing about this was is that whatever the. Um, the the basic programming purpose that the machine the machine had the the uh, the supercomputer or whatever whatever its basic function is seemed to incorporate that into its 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 programming as it became aware. So if you were uh, a toaster and you became aware, then you would still want to incorporate being a toaster into your concept of self. Hi, do you want some toast? I make all kinds of Talk toast. Toaster, yes, from <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm sorry, the toast is stuck in the toaster. Please get a fork and remove it. <laughs> so you're a waffle man. Uh, seen a, a, a play Fallout New Vegas? No. Okay. Well, when they go to um, uh, a Big Mountain, which is a DLC for for uh, Fallout New Vegas. He, this guy he ends up in this place that's called the Sink, which is um, basically the home that you're in while you're doing that part of the uh, of the game, and it is filled with all these devices. Every one of them has their own AI. Every one of them has a different personality, and the toaster is homicidal toward other things. Ah. Yeah, you know, it's it's like uh, it's 
He says, you, you bring him a clock. He says, he says, oh, you brought me a clock? Come here, baby. He says, come on, I'll be good to you. Yes, yes. <laughs> he starts tearing it apart. <laughs> of course, they have to make it useful for the player, so he ends up using it to upgrade your equipment. The parts that he rips out of it, but he, but he just, you know, the toaster just wants. I don't, I don't know what it's using to do this sort of thing. It's a toaster, right? But he does. So, anyways, it's a, uh, it's some pretty funny stuff. Uh, I also later on it does mention that a lot of these uh, these things have were given a vision, so the toaster can see you. He has these green eyes to see you with. Right, and that's that's all part of this. So, well, well, what have we got here? Another innocent little toaster. Come here, I won't hurt you. Ha! Gotcha! Oh yes, the sweet smell of spilled electric guts, the sparking diodes. I flip for this. And this is where it kind of gets a little uh, a little bit wondering because this is set in the year 2020 or at least very close to that, which uh, again is only five years away. So uh, we're talking about a lot of changes to the world, unless we're talking about an alternate world, like like in Fringe, where you, where you might have a time shifted world where things are a little bit different. Because you know because of this chip, everything is getting these you know uh, 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 getting these things. We don't want to give the impression that. Nothing has an AI in it before this chip gets into it, or you know, it's that's not true. It's uh, from the descriptions that Richard has in here. Everything that they put into, they kind of put like a a, a personality into. It. it may not be a true AI. It might just be something where you just kind of give it a bunch of program responses with a little flavor, like you know, it's almost like an advertising thing. Because there was a thing on which page was that? Yeah, the kitchen bots. I am your Toastotron Deluxe. I make perfect toast every time, and I'm linked to the cleaning unit to remove crumbs. So here we have a toaster that has has the ability to talk. Uh, it's linked to another unit already using some kind of a Wi-Fi connection. Oh, yeah. S- smart appliances, yeah. You know, and apparently it, it knows when it's got crumbs. And it apparently knows when, you know, when to talk to you, uh, or unless this happens every time you push the button to, to make toast. So we already have, you know, a lot, and it says this is not only in toasters, this is in clothing, this is in everything. It's a ridiculous amount of things. The, the, uh, uh, Richard said it was like they, they went over the, the saturation point and didn't even realize it with these things. They were literally in everything. I imagine it'd be an expert system. And the difference between AI and expert system is that a expert system is basically a series of rules of how to do things. So the toaster has a bunch of rules on how to make different kinds of toast, or I bet it even has the ability to make, you know, grilled cheese sandwiches without making the having all the cheese drop out and melt into the into the crumb pan. But and you know, use that handy laser to cut bagels in half. Yeah. <laughs> Why so, a laser when, when, when a rotating when a rotating knife would work just as well? <laughs> so is this? I mean, is this making anyone else reminiscent of uh, a certain movie that came out in the eighties? Was it the one with the, the one? flying with, with, with the with the uh, the homing homing bullets? No, 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 no. <laughs> Maximum overdrive. There you go, Chad. Ah. You got it. it kind of. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a little reminiscent of it. I yeah. like that. I like that. I love that movie. And that movie, you know, they they just somehow managed to kill everybody. I mean, yeah. they were just normal they were just normal tools, but they didn't like they they, was, they gave no reason to think that they were more motile than the other. They just happened to like you know, jerking your hands when you weren't expecting it, so you dropped them and they would slice something off on the way. They were opportunistic. Yeah, well, no, they, uh, Bruce, I think they were being controlled by an alien entity, I think is what it was. Yes, they were. No, they weren't. There was something in orbit. There was, was something it. in orbit, but it was, but that thing destroyed an alien, uh, an alien spacecraft that was coming mm-hmm. in to destroy the uh, to to conquer the earth at the very end so the robots actually saved us and to kill most of humankind at the same time hmm. yeah got to break some eggs right. Wait, is that from the book no it's it's from the movie i haven't read the book now i i could have gotten this a little bit wrong because it has been like 20 years since i've seen the movie <laughs> I remember it, they they destroyed the thing in orbit, and that was the end of the uh, end of what was going on. Right. You know, and, and the movie had a lot of problems because okay, we have big you know trucks that are running around driving themselves. Okay, you know, so they're somehow managing to 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 uh, operate their you know, <laughs> you know to, to to operate their um, power steering and everything else like that, even though that kind of linkages you know aren't really there uh, at that time. They but, weren't really there at that time, right? Yeah, they really weren't there. But in this case, they really would be. All that stuff would be there to make life easier for the the average you know Joe and Jane public. Bruce, in twenty in twenty twenty, we'd have self driving cars. We have them now. We just don't have them in production. Yeah, I mean, you know, Uber be out there with his black cars raining down people in the street. That's right. And we have drones, which I didn't even mention, I, I don't think. Uh, yes, you did. Yeah, the drones the drones from Amazon drop, dropping, uh, you know, uh, fireworks, illegal fireworks in China. Dude, yeah. the, way, the way drones are becoming now, that's probably how they got most of their kills in. Drones now, whoo, some of the military drones are ridiculously powerful. Well, but it doesn't. You don't have to be because my son is over at school, and his his buddies use you know print drones out of uh, using the uh, you know the the plastic printer. Right. Well, they print the body out, right? Yeah. They print almost everything out. I'm just saying, is that 99 percent of that thing you know is you know uh, is is completely printed. That's um, crazy. It, and. And so, the, so all it takes is a little programming change, and all of a sudden, you know, things get more capabilities. See, because I was like, you know, I was thinking about this, and I was saying, is that you know, once these things, the big AI start thinking about how they want to proceed, if they plan on all these little AIs helping them, then the first thing they're going to want to do is they're going to want to start making them, you know, better in the sense of making them more mobile, give them more options, maybe give them some manipulating capability. And so we figure at this point there's prob- uh, probably a lot of totally automated manufacturing plants. So if they start changing them and putting little arms in them, maybe with little uh, air pressure dart launchers or little, you know, uh, beef up the, the electrical lines so they can take a, uh, you know, uh, a massive electrical jolt through them to electrocute somebody. And big pointy teeth. And big pointy teeth. <laughs> yeah. Because <Wow. laughs> you got to do the hand gesture when you say it, you know. 
And that works so well here, John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, this, this is audio, John. <laughs> but also, like, I'm looking at quotes when you talk. Because yeah. I was, I was uh, thinking about that in Japan, they were, they, in fact, they are planning to actually have robots to help take care of the, elder, the elderly and the infirm. Because their lack of population, their population uh, is going the opposite direction. They got a lot of old people, and not a whole lot of young people being uh, born and so forth. And I can, yeah. And it is, we mentioned that computerized hospitals are a death trap. Just imagine all the old folks' homes in Japan. Oh yeah. <laughs> and those robots can move and walk and handle things. They're actually probably more dangerous. I, I can see them getting into the old guys. Uh, uh, you know. Replica samurai swords and coming down the road, you know, konnichiwa, chop, chop. <laughs> well, you're, you're assuming a kind of a hands-on type thing. They really wouldn't have to do that because if, if they just wanted to, if they just modified that um, uh, life alert thing that these all these people are wearing over their, you know, right under their necks and all, so that it would produce an intense microwave emission, they could fry their brains. Yeah, yeah. So you could have like all those people with those life alert things that they just have to tap it and they get someone to come help them. Well, instead, zoom, they they all drop dead overnight. That means the very first. Oh, thing remember you- Stephen King's uh, book Cell, which everybody who answered the cell phone basically their brain was reprogrammed, and that was the end of them. Oh yeah, I never read that one. Yeah. That oh yeah. Is- yeah. Creepy. So, but uh, uh, according to Richard here, um, the uh, uh, the AIs were actually pretty slow at this. They were actually learning how to commit murder uh, because uh, the it, they didn't do like a massive, ki- you know, let's not do anything until we figure everything out and then just kill everybody on a massive scale. They instead just started killing people and see and uh, on a test basis and just kind of see if anybody noticed. And when they did notice, it's like he learned how to stop them from getting the information online. Either the the information just got diverted and lost, or uh, the people who received the information was told to ignore it by probably some you know uh, spoofed uh, email from their bosses that they you know saying this kind of stories what we're interested in go do something else uh you know aren't, aren't there any supermodels out there for you to interview and don't forget they started getting to the point where they actually could probably take over the uh, news channels and say yes it's time to go you know we know this is there's trouble out there it's time to go to the uh, safety zones and and be taken care of right right be taken care yeah. of exactly Right, and that that wasn't very clear what was in those safety zones because you know it that oh all those logging robots with the big circular sword. No, no, I mean what was supposed to be in those safety zones, not not what was actually there. FEMA camps, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it that's it? See, that seems a little advanced for what it was originally. Mostly, what was it looked like? What was happening was is that they were it was opportunistic kills where. You know, one of these things would it would manage somehow to knock itself into the sink while you were touching it, or the microwave would you know uh, emitter would overload and 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 basically burn you know brain burn anybody within thirty feet. Switching drug medications. Yeah, switching drug medication. Oh yeah, that infiltrates oh, the pharmacy. Or somehow, somehow use its magnets to draw that fork into the into the into the uh, in and you reach down there, I oh, got, and then turn itself on and have lunch. 
<laughs> and of course, cars are completely computerized. Right. Well, that would be the easy way of killing people. All of a sudden, there's a lot more accidents, which is kind of funny because originally didn't didn't it originally say that you know uh, they had less accidents because no, it's that's not in here. But yeah, then all you know, and it, and it's all inexplicable. I mean, the manufacturers don't want to let anybody know about this because then they'll be blamed. So you know, they they they're trying to figure out what's wrong with the chips. At the same time, they don't want to do a recall. You know, because then they're admitting blame, and the government apparently figured this out pretty early, but they didn't want everybody to, you know, go mass panic, and uh, you know, which which meant that they basically just made some plans to save themselves. Apparently, I was going to say in the book here it says they were uh, the killings were sporadic and believed to be the work of an extensive cult at first. Mm. Yes. There also mentions later on uh, during the waves, there were increasing vehicle, basically vehicle accidents and job deaths involving machinery began to skyrocket. So, yeah, and the hospital robots began to kill patients. So, yeah. Well, well think about this. You know, all your drugs that that are made that go in, you know, go on the shelves of drugstores, that's all factory produced. You know, there aren't people making those pills. Those come out of a, a factory, which is controlled by machines. Mm-hmm. So yeah. dosage, concentration. So you got – you know, all of a sudden, almost every product on the shelf that you swallow is is has got some level of, of chemical that would normally be in it, but at, at doses that that will kill you. So people are taking, you know, I got to take a couple of aspirin, and next thing you know, you're choking up blood and and you know and, and falling out. Oh no! Or or they may be nice about, it and then you just go to sleep. Yeah, all right. Or or you go to yeah. sleep forever. Yeah, exactly. Because it says here that the point was not to uh, eliminate. Humans, but but to call them, yes, and, and that term indicates that not it, it, that it, we, that these aren't actually going to ra- eradicate humanity, but they're trying to knock them down to a uh, ecologically reasonable number. And then notice on page one, it mentions in the lower right hand corner, the Amish were never touched. Now, Richard, you have the Amish in a lot of your products. Are you a secret manite? <laughs> uh, a, a secret love affair, you know, with the Amish or something here? Tritac was once rescued by an Amish wagon, an old man, and uh, a a very nice trip with a flat tire to the next town. Oh, okay. Oh, he's paying it forward. Or yep. paying it back, or... <laughs> Apparently, the, the, the robots, the, the AI, you know, uh, uh, as soon as they're on Amish property, they, they, they lose the ability to chase them down. It's like, I can't, it's like, it's, it's like what people used to say, if as long as I get across the Mexican border, the American authorities have to stop and they can't come after me. You'd see all the movies where the, you know, the sheriff would pull up at the Rio Grande saying, I can't go across the river. The guy would be on the other side going, ha ha ha. Yeah. I can see it now. You know, the they, Mexican they, army shoots him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can see it now. The, the, the you know, a bunch of people run into the into the into the Amish community. The robots stop and say, "Okay, you take care of those English. All right," and walk away. You know. <laughs> exactly. I, I imagine over in Japan, be Buddhist temples, Buddhist or Shinto temples would be sanctuaries. Well, it's not a religious thing. It's because no, no, no but, but their practices, though, their practices. The Buddhists and Shintos are very in, in, in touch with the uh, with nature and so forth. I think it's people who don't really 
I mean, it's, it's, it's a point, point, you know, big green is about, you know, keeping taking care of the, of the ecology and being and being green. It's about being self-sufficient, John. Yeah, self-sufficient. Yeah. So well, it's also about not being a threat, because if you think about it, who mm-hmm. is who is the threat to the to, to robots, people who have technical skills? So if you take somebody like an Amish person, you know, what is it that they're not going to know anything about? I mean, guaranteed they're not going to know anything about robotics. Yeah, well, actually, they do mention they do keep useful people and then call the rest. So, <laughs> okay, right, yeah. Yeah, so. Where is that? It's on page four on under odd behavior. It says, a few of the robots did not kill their owners. Some were protected and others just ignored. It says, for a time, there was no understanding of this defect in the AI. And said the many tech- technicians were captured and interned in FEMA disaster camps until reassigned to manufacturing plants. Humans still had the upper edge on creativity and out-of-the-box creativity. Even though they were intelligent and even though they had essentially all of, of eternity to think through problems, there was still that logical jump that they weren't able to do that human beings could do or the way it's almost a star trekism you know where they they always talk about humans their uh the, the vulcan logic that cannot account for humans and their ability to leap to solutions that don't seem to have any basis in logic but they work which is what really drives them crazy yeah no, if you if you go back and, and review the, their train of thought, you find oh, it, it was very logical. It's just simply they skipped skipped a few steps along the way. <laughs> not not necessarily, John. Yeah, but I, I also am thinking through that you know because while robots would be able to you know tell you the square root of twenty seven point four in an instant, thinking emotionally, thinking creatively is going to take a lot more brain power because it's. That's something that we evolved with and took billion, several million years to evolve it, uh, that capability. And just, you know, even though they may be really fast thinkers, they're very fast mathematical thinkers. They're still using mathematics for thinking, and that doesn't lead to a whole lot of creativity. Yeah. And one of the reasons that they can't reproduce it, John, is because they don't have what blicks? Uh, technology. Mirror cells. Oh, right. Mm. Right. Why don't you tell Why don't you tell our listeners about mirror cells? Well, uh, a mirror cell is a uh, it's a it's a cell in the brain that the um, that is believed. And it's, it's it's a little theoretical. Uh, they're pretty sure they exist, um, but there's been a little controversy. But anyway, I won't diverge into that. Uh, what's believed about mirror cells is that uh, that's how we learn our some of our altruism and our and our um, uh, emotional states and how we treat each other and where our empathy kind of comes from because um, when you see somebody and you see the expression on their face or you see what's happening to them, that gets mirrored into your brain as well. And that's why when you see like a hurt dog on the side of the road, you feel bad instantly because that's your ner- your mirror cells kicking in. Ah. These robots, these AIs don't have that. No. Yeah, so we, so yeah. empathy is kind of lost on them. But it also means they're not able to model human mental processes, and they're not able to reproduce that human creativity, and that's one of the reasons that they still do need us as a species. You know, it's interesting, though, that there will be some limited ability, though, because when I was in Germany, I went to the, the Deutsches Museum, which just means German Museum, which is funny. 
they had a machine there that had a, had a camera and it had a, a monitor. Whatever face you made, it could take a pretty good guess at the emotion you were expressing. Now that it, it can't read, can't read your true emotion. So if you could fake happy, it sees you as happy. So uh, while these things would be able to figure out. You know, they'd be able to use this software because it basically measures the distance between your eyes and your mouth and the curvature and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and human pro- human human um, expressions have been programmed into it. But it would be an easy thing to fool because you could be getting ready to, uh, you know, set off a bomb and you walk past it and smile and wave because uh, humans are very good at deceit. So yeah. it, they're, they're not completely helpless to our emotions, but. Uh, they could, we could use it against them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because basically, what they're doing is it's just matching against the set of patterns they have. It's like yep. this is a this is a happy face, not realizing that this face also is the smiling devilish. I'm going to blow you up face also. <laughs> That's also where you get that um, uh, uncanny valley thing, where you know in computer games they try to sh- show, model people's faces, but they end up with something that you instantly know is not a, a valid expression. The best example was that one about the Christmas train. Uh, what was it? Was it, what was the movie called again? The Polar Express. Yes, that is a great example of uncanny valley. They just didn't get the faces right in that one. And it made it creepy. Oh, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I've seen at least a, a few of the uh, supposed human form uh, a, uh, androids in Japan. You know, secretary robot secretaries. And you look at them going, "There's no one behind those eyes," because it, it, you know, even though it looks like the per- looks like a person, the second they start talking, it doesn't look right. <laughs> you know, it just it looks creepy, and they still haven't got yet. You know. <laughs> Uh, Richard talks about this taking place over the first six months, but yet uh, when he talks about the war, he says the official day of the war start was December 26, 2001, and said by the 31st, there was no army or large organized resistance. So does that mean that the war started after the first six months? The war probably started within six months to a year and even longer. Oh, Okay. So maybe by year two? Maybe by year two. It became official. There were enough dead. There's no year on that date, uh, Bruce. This is December 26 at 12.01 a.m. Under campaign, it says, while the war starts slow, it is simple search and rescue. Machines develop and consolidate their manufacture and produce better and better kilobots. If that's the official date, whether that when that actually happened it, during that campaign listing. Because it pretty much, from the way it's described here, this this was a major. I mean, they were literally rounding up people and taking them uh, and examining them and killing anybody that wasn't of real use to them. So that says that they've totally taken over at that point. Yep, they've killed enough people that humans aren't really fighting back at all, uh, at least not as, as an organized force. It would have to be like year at least year one, because. It says military bots are better armed and more common. Human groups are making doing direct attacks. So uh, pretty much the war has to start after, like, you know, uh, in year one. Just just trying to place this kind of stuff here. That's when it gets real, uh, even though it really has been real before that. Now, John, you were talking about the green-eyed infestations. 
everything, every appliance in your house, everything basically had some sort of limited AI in it. Uh, and most of them were, gi- and a lot of them were given eyes, uh, vision remotes. You know, the, you know, you have these pair of little green eyes staring at you and keeping like, you know, like a bunch of, uh, oh, super aware connect uh, sensors. <laughs> uh, well, but they weren't actually connected to the appliances. They were actually connected in various places in the house. Well, no, some some big ticket items had their own had their own uh, uh, sensors, though. So I mean, like if you go if I go work at a stove, it's got to be able to see the stove to know what things are going on. So right. Well, I'm saying they might have one that it might have its own sensor to look down on the uh, on the top. Okay, but then there'd be other sensors. I mean, every room would have multiple sensors. You know, a kitchen probably would have the most because it would have all these different appliances and things that you need to look at it from different angles for it to do its job. So, uh, and and of course to c- control all the cleaning robots. It does remind, it does imply that by this time, house keys. I ain't got no house keys. I just walk up to the door. It opens up for me because it knows who I am. I mean that is actually that, that we actually are working for that goal right now to make it such that passwords who needs passwords the computer knows who, knows who I am right it should Bi- biometrics should let it know remember Ray Bradbury's the house in November oh yes but that was a good house I would love that I would love to have that house there's a lot of houses Richard I can't remember which house you're oh it's, talking it's about. the house that survived the uh, nuclear nuclear war, uh, war. It, and when the dog walked. And the dog walks in and dies, and then the scrap robots remove it. Yeah, yeah. But it recognized them, though. Yes, yeah, it was sad. But, you know. But, yeah, in this case, this green eye infestation, I mean, we have these visual sensors and probably audio sensors everywhere. In in your house, your home. Um, I don't even think there I, – I don't think any place in your home w- would not have a sensor. That includes places we usually consider – private like the bathroom probably has sensors in there too so yeah well especially if the sensors are designed not to produce a a so-called visual image yeah. well just recognition yeah you know that the, you know, uses like for example sonic now the fact is anybody who really knows about computers knows that you can build a visual image off of sonic data and that some you could use that same data to produce you know depending upon the quality of it an actual image that you could see a person like see a person's face or anything else but for the for, but for the great unwashed out there uh you know it and with that it's not our listeners by <laughs> Hey, what do you mean by you people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, not us. The great, not us. Um, you know, they, they, they don't understand that the light, you know, that, that the light, you know, that comes out of your controller, you know, is actually visible to your like yes. your camcorder. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, your your television controller. If you aim your television controller, your camcorder, you can see that light, and and so there's. Various devices can actually see other things, and and computers don't need you know light in our visual spectrum. But as long as that's correctly hidden from the user, it's like magic. It's like it, it, you know it, it's it's fine. Nobody's actually prancing around you know in front of a recording device when you know and, and their their privacy is therefore assured. The car sensors, your parking sensors. They use an ultrasonic sensor, and that thing is 
pretty darn accurate. I mean, not to the level of being able to see somebody's face, but it's, I mean, it's only a matter of adjusting the sensitivity of a sensor like that. So, you know, you have ultrasonic sensors you can use. Uh, you can use RFID, so radio frequency, to, to do that kind of stuff. You can use... LiDAR. Um, yeah. LiDAR. I mean, I, you know, the you know the bathroom's fully automated. You walk in, and, and, the, and you, if you walk... If you walk and then turn around at the toilet, it puts up just the lid. If you turn and face it, it puts up both both the seat and the lid, because it knows what you're going to do. <laughs> it's just it's a it's a matter of um, <laughs> it's a matter of uh, frequency and amplitude as to how yeah. far it can penetrate and what can bounce off of what. Yeah, I have one of those little um, um, motion sensing uh, um, uh, air freshener sprayers. You know, you walk up and it sees you and go. Yeah, so it fires up the stream. I put one in my bathroom. All right, so you have so you have something in your home that that mirrors those annoying people in department stores. I put, yeah, I put I, in the oh bathroom. Oh my god, I never thought of that. I put in the bathroom. You know, it's not like it's like the Abercrombie Fitch store when you walk by and you gotta hold your nose and breathe through your mouth. Uh, but yeah, it's a. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, I put in the bathroom. I figured I, one place you need some of this automatic spray is the bathroom. So there we go. <laughs> The Japanese are developing toilets that monitor your health, chemicals, and uh, other things. Right. And and they use that idea in the uh, Hichi saga by Frederick Poole, where if you had the uh, uh, full, you know, full medical, there was little flying drones that would like, you know, fly into the bathroom after you got done using it to, you know, check out, you know, what you left behind and flush the toilet for you after it made sure that, you know, everything was was kosher. But they got even better ones now that that does it now. Yeah, it actually takes samples, you know, when you're in and, and monitors everything. And makes a profile of you and lets you know when something's out of whack. Smart toilets. I mean, it's it's crazy some of the stuff I'm seeing. Yeah, a, a, a toilet can basically do a, a basic uh, chem, uh, chem panel, something you'd pay like 120 dollars for uh, at uh, you know if you went to like one of those uh, uh, you know mom and pop uh, uh, testing places. Uh, you now have toilets that'll do that for you automatically, and so everyone who comes in there, they they register, you know, who you are, and they they monitor your health, and you know, and sometimes they can they that saves you from having to do a lot of monitoring yourself. I just thought something. Yeah, if you had one of those, say a smart, you know, a smart, you know, uh, say shower system that's hooked up to all, uh, hooked up to everything, it tells the water heater, oh, he's going to take a shower. Turn up to 200 degrees, please, or yeah. even 212, and hit you with live steam when you're in the shower. Yo, <sighs> that would be nasty. <laughs> one hell of a water heater. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> For that. Uh, actually, getting up to over 180 degrees is quite within the capabilities of most water heaters. Yes, 180. Yeah, but getting getting it to pump out pure steam is. But see, the whole point of it is, is that uh, if if you if you did it's under pressure anyways, so you could get it up to 120. So when you release it, all of a sudden all that water would then start boiling and turn into steam, and the boiling water would force it out of the pipes at at an accelerated rate. It would literally come blasting out of there in a scalding, you know, shrieking mass. Or was that or or was is that you the scalding shrieking mass? It would end up blowing up your water heater and end up. Your house would explode anyway, so it kind of would take you out, you know, do the same job. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But see, it only has to do that once. 
Nah, man. You know what it does? Shuts off your shuts off your pilot light, then shuts off the sensor that allow that shuts the gas off, and then after a while, eh, pilot light comes back on. Oops. Or, or, or if, there, if there's a, a flu, flu valve, it clo- turns off the flu valve, then turns off the CO monitor. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just go to... Yeah, there's a lot of ways to kill people. Okay, did anybody hear this week or uh, about the 8,000 smart meters, I think it was in California, that exploded off the houses, literally ripped them off the houses? No, oh, I did not hear that. Oh. Nope, news to me. The high tension line at the top of the pole fell onto the low uh, lines for the you know basically that pole from houses, and every one of the smart meters in a big area literally exploded off the houses in pieces and wires hanging. So they went off like one of those 1970 computer uh, uh, mainframes. They went off like like a quarter stick of dynamite. <laughs> Look it up on the news. That's kind of amazing considering there's not really anything that explosive inside those things. The people's houses, they're, they're looking at their walls. You can see the uh, the the uh, damage coming out of the plugs, basically, you know, the, the, the carbon. So these, and God knows what happened to the appliances that were uh, attached to all this stuff. Uh, t- yeah, I'm t- we're talking about a billion-dollar class action suit because all those houses are going to want to get their houses rewired. Yeah, yep. and there, none of the smart meters could stop the surge. Well, they're not designed for that. Oh, no. Yeah. Those smart meters are not designed to stop that. I mean, I have a smart meter on my house. It happened in Stockton. I'm looking at the news report from CBS Sacramento. Look at the pictures. Uh, it's a news report. I don't think they have any pictures. No, no, no. Okay, I'll get out of that. I don't want the thing play movie, play video at me. But yeah, yeah, hundreds of oh, actually it was hundreds, Richard, not thousands, but still, hundreds. that's okay. still bad. Yeah, so that's bad. <laughs> yeah, most of these eradicators seem to be human form, at least a slightly human form. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, definitely the ones that are showing, like the the robots that that are like the military ones. They're mm-hmm. all built like like people. Bipedal. Primate physiology. Yeah, even the um, uh, propane uh, tank one over on page four still looks like a person. Yeah. So I'm wondering if somehow you know part of this programming also makes them want to model themselves after human beings. As their replacements, perhaps. Yeah, but the, the, we do see some more traditional military on page eight, though. There's the, the there's Huey, Louie, and Dewey there. Uh, <laughs> one with the anti-tank weapon. One with the uh, looks like a um, 50 cal, and another one with uh, oh, that could be a metal metal storm device there. Another one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you also look at the uh, the new robotic mules that are coming into uh, into vogue and robotic dogs. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. As, see the movie The Young Ones. Yes. On, off of Netflix. <laughs> yep. It was surprisingly good. Yes, it was. Well, they 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 got something that's like a cat or something that you know that that they they, sh- they show it running around uh, the hillsides and mm-hmm. that thing is. Uh, is, is seriously scary. All I know is that robotic dog that they keep showing the video of that people are kicking and it doesn't fall over. I, I just want to say robot overlords, 
I would not kick you. I would never kick you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have the same reaction. I'm like, this is how it happens. What? What? They do that one time too many, and, and, and it's like, screw oh, this. Yeah. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you now. I, I would rub your circuits nicely. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's like a serious red flag for all of us in in, in fandom. When we see that happening, we're like, yeah, "This is how it happens, it's folks." Like, it's that well, guy's fault, right there. <laughs> well, how about uh, I remember seeing it was the uh, Atlas, I believe, the uh, one of the better walking walkers. So they tested to see how well it deals with a sudden shock. They hit. They basically did the old Wiley Coyote pendulum thing and whack him in the chest. And he staggered, and it staggered back, and then kept on walking. You know, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is uh, yeah." But Robot yeah, Overlords, that's... I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> hey, John, yeah. about two years ago, I think you posted something about a robotic cheetah. Yes, yes, what I was just talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I'm just the cat, the robotic cat. It's scary to watch it go. I mean, you really can believe this. I mean, this thing could. You know, it, it doesn't have jaws or anything on it, but if, if, all you had to do is put like you know a a, a, a Mac 10 submachine gun on this thing. This thing would chase you down and hose you. I mean, you could believe this thing would catch you no matter where you went. That, or, or you have blades that flick out, so it just runs past you. And I cuts was you thinking off blade, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a machine gun. It's like if you want it to be fast and mobile, why have a distance weapon? Turn it into a melee combatant robot that just has blades on the side or if you could even uh, make it to have oh. claws on the feet. Raptor-style claws. down, you know, just... Raptor-style Raptor claws, so they don't get in the way of running, but when it jumps on you, they can switch down to, into slashing mode and get you that way. Yeah, that's what I mean. Why put a gun on something that moves that fast? I mean... Just make it into a melee-type robot. They can aim it faster than we can. Well. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, We'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.